It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. Happy Friday. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack, Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in on YouTube, where you can watch the show live at 9 a.m. Central. On today's show, we got some surprises and standout performances already in the NCAA prelims. Amy Craig announced her retirement. Edward Chesarek raced in Kenya. We're also going to talk about two heats. Two heats. One more heat than normal in the 10,000 for the Olympic trials for the women's race. Galen Rupp is going to run on the outdoor track for the first time in a while. And of course, we will close it all out with my new favorite segment, Gordon's 60 Seconds of Sixers. We're going to hold that to the end. We're going to hold that to the end. Uh, Gordon, how are how are you and how has your NCAA viewing gone so far? Well, uh First day of – well, it's a different format this year, right? Instead of doing three days, you're doing four days, and they're kind of mirroring uh, the NCAA f- uh, championship schedule, which is kind of – I kind of like it that way because it makes more sense in that way where you kind of – if you're going to do these type of rounds uh, at the finals, you should be able to – you should mirror that in the prelims. This is what they do at the Olympic trials. It makes sense to do that here. I'm not sure if they'll stick with it, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at a couple of results. Um, nothing too crazy out of the ordinary. I thought, I think, again, I think the biggest race where we might see some like, whoa, I think the, the biggest movement that we're going to see in any race is going to be in a 5K. I was kind of keeping track of like who was qualifying and not qualifying in like the field events. You always had at least like nine to 10 of the top 12 all make it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't too craziness. There was a couple like DNSs that I thought were interesting. Um Trey Cunningham of Florida State, one of the top hurdlers in the nation, was a do not start out in the East. And then another big one was NAU's Blaze Farrow in the 10K. Another guy who could have potentially been a scorer for NAU uh was a DNS as well. So two people that we thought would be 
in the mix to score to be top eight, top five in the, you know, in the hurdles and in the 10K, both uh, DNS. And I guess definitely probably has to do with injuries. Um, I did reach out to uh, Mike Smith and ask, hey, why didn't Blaze uh, run? And his reaction was, man, this sport is so crazy, you know. That was his. <laughs> Whatever I guess means, you know, crazy things happen. Clearly, clearly had it um, an injury. And um, Travis, if you want to bring up Blaze's uh, Instagram post, he put up uh, it's, uh go to little little runner boy b o i I think is his Instagram. Uh, he put Blaze put up an Instagram kind of talking about dealing with the the injury. He wrote. I wish I didn't try to act like running doesn't matter to me. I wish I said running is lame one less time. I wish I said this sucks right now one more time. I wish I swam one more lap. I wish I drank one less beer. I wish I sat down and cried more. Well, even more. I wish I tried to make this thing more important to me rather than acting like it doesn't matter at all. Imagine if I spent five years moving forward. Imagine if I spent five years admitting how much I cared about this. Shit. Imagine if I spent five months admitting to myself that it's so important to me. Basically, he wrote a poem and it was it kind of made sense. He kind of highlighted his his high school with photos and his college career. And if you follow Blaze's story, he's been riddled with injuries his entire time running. He didn't he was injured like his first two years at NAU, and then he had that big emotional moment in 2018 uh, where he was just like bawling because he had finally figured it out and got healthy and was able to run an NCAA championship. And then he saw what happened uh, his junior year where he was injured again and the team lost. And then uh, senior year, they were finally were able to uh, get another win um, in Stillwater. But he's just been up and down, left and right. And he ran an incredible 10K, and now he can't go to NCAs, which is a bummer. But maybe he can figure out a way to get better for the trials. I don't know. You would think if he can't run a 10K now, he's probably not able to run a 10K in two or three weeks. But we'll see. Anyway, hopefully, maybe he'll come back for a sixth year with the COVID eligibility. But I think Blaze had a strong five years, even though it was riddled with injuries. He ended it with a sub. 28 minute uh 10k it's pretty pretty good yeah also in the 10,000 who's out on the east side danny kilroy who was 10th yeah in cross country for notre dame he raced but did not advance on the sprint side of things uh, abby steiner in the 200 is out gordon yes my abby steiner is making the olympic uh dream that i had i'm sure she had that dream as well uh, is it going to come to fruition? Um, it made sense looking back on it now because she pulled out of SECs. Mm -hmm. She finishes right outside the top 24. She finishes, what, 27th, runs 23.59. Clearly, she's not what she was back in March when she won NCAAs in the Indoor 200. Um, but she's only a sophomore, so she should be back and lighting up the track in 2022. Mm. That's what's weird about these prelims. The storylines are always just like, who didn't, who didn't make, make it? it? Yeah, No one cares yeah. about who made it. It's just all about who doesn't make it. Well, I'm looking here at the chat here. Uh, Dylan also brings up 
number one pole vaulter, Natasha Campbell, didn't advance. Tara Davis was a DNS in the 100 hurdles, and Chanel uh, Brissett false started in the hurdles as well. So were there any other surprise did not advances for you? Um, not that I can think of, to be honest. Uh, I mean, there's a whole, yeah, there's, there's two more days, right? There's two yeah. more days of trying to avoid disaster for the favorites. So we're yeah. only halfway through this, this prelim meet. Yeah. I mean, the 10k is really the only true final we had on the track. Mm. Um, I think Speaking it's interesting which, kind of seeing like the dominance of certain teams and certain events, like the Houston men have like six or seven in the 100 and a 200 going into the next day. The USC women have like six or seven 400-meter runners going into the next day. Mm -hmm. um, NC State women and BYU women have done a lot of qualifying people into the next round. So it's kind of cool seeing like when one school like owns an event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, between – I think it's the women's 1500 between BYU, Arkansas, and Stanford. I think it accounts for – 14 qualifiers or something like that i mean it was it like uh, I, I 24 think, yeah i mean it's 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 nuts byu got the most i think stanford got four byu got six so that's 10 and i believe arkansas maybe they only got three in there just scroll down let's see all, all 24 of those on the on the uh on the results here i th i think i think we got another one from arkansas there yeah chrissy gear and then I said two more from Stanford. So, yeah, it, it is interesting to see the trends. Now, when it gets down to it and you get to the actual NCAA final and you only see two people on the line from a school, that's not the true show of depth because then you're at the very, very, very end of the line here and your team would have to be incredibly deep to, to put that many people through to the actual final. But when you're getting five, six people through to the final 24 of your region, that's pretty dang good. You mentioned the 10K. Uh, I got to talk about Kip too, man. I got to talk about Kip too. <laughs> I got to talk about Kip too because, I mean, it wasn't PR time for him, but it was, I'm going to go out insanely fast and run this thing like it was a final. He goes out in 60, Gordon. He goes out in 60. And then he comes back in 65. You can see uh, his progression there. He goes through 1,600 meters in 419. He was ahead by 22 seconds after the first mile. And then he wins the race by about that margin, runs 28.50. You know, after the first mile, things even out. And he's running pretty much the same pace as everybody else. I mean, his strategy here is clear. But I just think it's funny because a couple of years ago, this was the Mance role. We saw it in cross country. And then Kip2 totally outmanced Mance. Now... <laughs> In cross country, Mance beat him. But in terms of the who's going to run the most incredibly grueling uh, from the front insane race plan award, like that goes to Wesley Kip to hands down. And every time he creates a different sort of uh, work of art here with his splits, we should start framing some of these and put them on the Kip to splits hall of fame. Going out in 60 in a prelim 10K. It's just insane. Who does that? I know. It's just that we should not lose sight of it. It's insane. I think it, especially because it's a prelim, like there is no like award for getting first in this race. No. And he has to know that, right? I mean, maybe he just treats every race as like, I run to win. Who cares? It's like, I don't know, man. Like, it, 
I mean, if he goes out in 60 in a prelim, is he going to go out in like 57 in the 10K final in Eugene? I mean, what are we going to see? Another guy who belongs in this group, uh, Iliad Kipsang of Alabama in the East 1500. He ran 337 and won by, I mean, he had the fastest time by five seconds out of all the heats in the, in the 1500. Uh, Mar- Mario Garcia Romo had the second fastest time at 342, but he was in a different heat. So Kipsang was about six seconds clear here. I mean, running 337 in an NCAA prelim, again, not normal, not what we're used to. And Kipsang's racked up a bunch of big wins. Now, now again, Gary Degus, still the king of this because he did it in an, a conference prelim and he did it to set a collegiate record. But I like that we have a little battle on our hands between who can put together the best prelim of the year. Travis, go to Kipsang, go to scroll up and click on the splits for that heat one. I mean, heat three. Um, that's what see if like he even bothered to like. Slow. So, no, he, dude, had, he was like, four seconds ahead. It's the same thing as Kip too. They just go out and then they. He was seven seconds ahead. He was like seven seconds ahead at seven hundred. Wasn't a part of him was like, and he still tried to close really fast. Yeah, yeah. He could have. Yeah. I just don't understand. Like using all that energy. Like, do they just not care? I don't know. It seems weird. You're just stretching your legs out the first four hundred, and then you're already there. So you might as well. Stay there. I don't think Kip 2 can do anything differently. That's what I'm convinced. Kip saying maybe, but now Kip 2, we've seen it indoors, outdoors, cross country, national championship, prelim, probably a dual meet. He cannot do anything differently. He could be in the Olympics and he'll go out and be ahead of everybody by three seconds in the Olympics. Now, they'll catch him in the Olympics because they're better, right? the margin of victory is going to be there. He could be jogging at home with his friends. He could meet up with the Iowa State running club, and he's going to do this. The next turkey trot. Uh, he probably is not fun to to run. Like, if you're like, hey, Wesley, you want to go out for an easy five miles today? <laughs> I wouldn't sign up for that. Just... That doesn't not. I'd say, I'd say meet me after your first mile. You go around the block, and I'll catch you after your first mile, and then maybe we'd have something uh, in common. The other thing I wanted to focus on was the the hundreds. I mean, a lot of these were wind aided, Gordon, on both sides, men's and women's. But um, you you saw some quick times for the. I mean, this is the first round of the first round here. Women's side of things, we saw an eleven oh one from Cambria Sturgis from the east. Uh, on the west, Kemba Nelson of Oregon, a ten ninety one. Now she was the indoor sixty champ, ten ninety one, plus two point one wind but still just slightly above the the legal limit and the runs of 1091 uh tt terry 1099 win legal men's side of things Devonte burnett a usc junior with a with a 10 flat leads the way for for the trojans yeah i mean you see kemma nelson 1091 2.1 win that's almost legal if she if it was just 0.1 they had someone just stand in front of that wind meter, just a quick second. Uh, maybe we'd have a, a big conversation about Kemba Nelson. Uh, she's from Jamaica, right? I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, ten ninety one right now. That's like that's, yeah, that's Diamond legit. League top five type times. So mm-hmm. 
I'm sure uh, it'll be exciting to see what she can do when she gets to back to her home track at NCAAs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the East men, we should talk about the East men because that's where Laird, Jovan Martin, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, reside. That was pretty quick as per usual. It's tough, though, to compare heats because the wind is varying yeah. widely and and you know if you're just running to if you're just running to win and you're not kip to it out there then you could you could look like you're way behind but you're not like for example joseph amoa there in fourth runs the 10 11 um but you know with, and he's win legal plus plus 2.1 or plus 1.9 but um wins his heat fairly easily but lair just cruising a 10 00 as if it's no big deal there and martin with a 10 03 yeah i'm excited Here's a question. I, I'm I, I'm excited for the for the men's and women's hundred at, at NCAA's. It was not on my short list of events at the beginning of the year, but it definitely is now. Here's a question, uh, Travis. Keep scrolling down to get to the little Q qualifiers. Keep on going all the way down. There we go. There's some little keep, Qs the, all, keep on going all the way. Put 24 at the top. All right, stop. You can stop. We'll go back up. Go back a little more <laughs> again. All right, right there, right there. Stop. All right. So, what is, um. Okay, in this situation, we don't really have. Uh, I thought basically what I'm trying to say is when it comes to little cues, mm -hmm. when you're comparing times that have different win win markings, yeah. yeah. Do you think that's a fair process where, you know, say you had a really big wind, where someone was going into a headwind, and therefore your little cue is faster than their little cue? Yeah. Do you know what I mean by little cue? With you know 100%. on time. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the solution is you got to be a uh, big Q. There's no other way to do it. You got to be a big Q. You can't control the weather. You can't reshuffle the heats. I think the people who have the shorter straw on this are the jumpers, who it's not about qual. Like you could win on a plus three, and then it could be your yeah. time to jump, and then the wind slows down or even moves in your face, and then you have to to jump. So we had that situation at the 2016 uh, men's long jump at the Olympic trials where there was some monster jumps. A lot of them were wind dated and you know you start doing some calculations i don't know if there is there a long jump wind calculator out there like there is for the hundred but you could make some assumptions that some people's marks would have been drastically different if they had the different wind as everybody else it's just part of it you can't really do anything about it i mean you looked at like on the men's side bowling you know he wins heat six there but he only runs 10-2 but you know and, and his wind is 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 plus 2.7 i mean you just you got to figure out a way to finish in that top top group. Otherwise, you know, you're putting yourself at the mercy of of the small queue. And I think there's no, I mean, there's no other way around. It, it happens every year. I think it's crazy though. Look at how much the wind fluctuated in this event because this was all back to back to back. So heat heat one has a plus one point three. Heat three has a three point one. Those are drastically different. Would you ever be in favor of having a universal wind calculator where no. you kind of no, you can say, well, you had extra wind, so we're going to reduce your mark for qualifying purposes. No, I'd be much more in favor of just only big cues, and then it just eliminates it. But then there's all sorts of controversy on the seating. But yeah, regardless, you're never going to get a perfect system. You're going to find somebody to to complain about it. But like for example, at if you, there was just two semis, right at for the hundred, and it used to four and four. Yeah, and that's your that's your eight person final. That would make more sense to me than what you're proposing. But as it is now, it's just break of the game. 
right? You do so they'll go to when they get to Eugene and it's and it's eight eight eight. They're gonna go three plus two, right? Or sorry, two, yeah, three. No, no, no. How how are they doing it? How do they go? My mind is blanking right now. It depends on the. I mean, it constantly changes. I feel sometimes it's there's three heats for NCAA's. I think right because yeah, there's, there's twenty four. So they'll do two, two, two plus two. Two yeah. plus two. Sorry, not two plus yeah. three. Yeah. So the but the all so because if you have twenty four you obviously have to put them into into three heats so you just think of those two people as the the lucky people they're not necessarily sometimes they're going to catch catch the break sometimes it's going to be the perfect people sometimes it's not just the way the heats break down but uh, all right anything else on prelims what are you looking forward to other than the the five k are you looking forward to anything based on what you've seen so far I mean a thing Mo runs 50 point. I think your prediction about the collegiate record looks to be on because that's a fast first round for her. Yeah. Uh, I'll be looking forward to thing Mo. Um, watching the 1500s will be interesting. Those always can kind of get a little wild. Um, but yeah, let's just be honest. All I care about is one event and that's the 5k. So we'll just keep it at that. <laughs> You're just looking to see if your predictions were correct. That's it. Pretty much. Yeah. I just want to be, I want to go perfect, but I won't. And I already, I said that in the beginning when I predicted the 24 athletes, I was like, this won't be accurate because no, there's going to be a lot of people who scratch because they got in the 10 K. Like there's a lot of people who I picked to make the team in the, to make yeah. the team. I'm calling them making the team now in the, in the five K that already are in, in the 10 K or, you know, already in the 1500 final. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. You, you texted me. You said you're going to go 48 for 48. I don't know why you're backing off on that prediction when we're live. Okay, I'm back on it. We're going. I'm going 48 for 48. If you went 48 for 48, how long would it be until you stop talking about it? Like five years? I would probably set the over under. I'm gonna hold on. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, hey, if you went 48 for 48 on it, if you got all the March Madness picks right, that's what going yeah. like. 63 for 63. I'm not sure how many March Madness games there are. You you would never that would you'd get that tattooed on your body. Yeah. You know? Well, but you would have so. made money off that because you would have had to have been in some sort of pool. The sad thing is yeah. you go 48 for 48 and you'll only no have bragging cares. rights with yeah, with me and the, the people watching on YouTube. SIDs. Yeah. Right now. Yes, the SIDs would love it. Uh, by the way, if you guys if you're watching on YouTube, put questions in the chat. Uh next bit of news, Amy Craig has announced her retirement. Gordon, she won the 2016 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials, went on to finish ninth at the Olympics. She also made the Olympic team in 2012 in the 10,000 World Championship Bronze, 221 PB in the marathon. A great career all around for Amy Craig. Missed the last couple of years uh, due to health issues, but two Olympic teams was definitely a key part of U.S. women's marathoning for several years there. I'll remember her most for those Olympic trials in Los Angeles because I was there. It was extremely hot. There was the battle there between her, Flanagan, and Lyndon. She slowed down, uh, helped her teammate, Shalane Flanagan, for a little bit. And then there's obviously that iconic picture where she's holding Flanagan up at the after the finish when both women ended up qualifying. But just a superb career for Amy Craig all around, making two two Olympic teams and running one of the fastest marathons by an American ever. 
All right. So what is, in your mind, the most impressive feat? The top 10 finish at the Olympics, her 221 in Tokyo, which would be her PB, her bronze medal at Worlds in 2017, or her winning the Olympic trials? Again, I could be biased because I was there, but it was just the trials. Like it was a pretty epic race just because the conditions were so bad. And if you remember going into that, I mean, the year it was, it was tough. That was U.S. women's marathoning is just getting better and better and better, right? We, we talked about how tough the 2020 team was to make. And then, you know, 2016 was, was hard as well because you had her, you had Flanagan, you had Lyndon. Uh, you had Kara Goucher in the mix. Kellen Taylor was there. That was an awesome race. I mean, 2012, though, was pretty cool, too, because she missed it. She got fourth and then comes back and makes it in the 10K. I always like those stories. Sometimes those stories are happening within the span of a week because someone misses in the eight and then they come back in the 15 or the five and the 10. Hers, it was several months in the making. Uh, she said, I think she said in that the Runner's World article that the, the medal meant a lot to her, which world championship marathon doesn't get a lot of credit, but on the women's side over the past couple of years, I'd say they get a higher percentage of their top people competing than, than on the men's side. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, for me, it'll be the trials for me it'll be the trials. That's what I'll remember the most. Um, yeah, but that's what you remember, but that's, is that what you think is the most impressive? I mean, the most. The most impressive is probably, is it the bronze? It might be the bronze. Yeah. Because there were some good people. There were some good people in that, in that race. It was probably the, but I mean, shoot, I mean, ninth in the Olympics, that was a crazy, so they, they went seven, eight, nine, the U.S. in the Olympics that year. Uh, that's pretty good depth from the U.S. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the bronze that, that year in the world champs was Again, it, it was along this long line of U.S. women being really competitive and not just one U.S. woman, but a slew of U.S. women being competitive at major championships with uh, Flanagan winning, New York City, Des winning, Boston, et cetera, et cetera. Like all the, the, you know, the top five finishes for, for Hase. So I, yeah, it probably is in terms of just what's the first thing you'd mention in a in a recap of the career, you'd probably say world championship bronze medalist. I'm like a big medals over times person, like when you're recapping the career, unless the time was a world record or an American record. Because the time is you know, it kind of can change with the era, but the 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 medals give you a, a better look at like how they stood within that era relative to their competitors. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say I think the most impressive thing she did was the third place in 2017. Uh, there's something about like beating your like peer fellow Americans just doesn't seem as impressive as beating the people all over the world. I don't know. So, you know, sure. Spice, sure. you know, she probably, I, I bet you in that, in that Olympic trials marathon, everyone in that field, she had beaten once in her life, probably before. In a mm -hmm. in a different event, whether it was a road race or a track race back in college, she had raced against these these fellow athletes for ten plus years. So like that win is just one of many in my mind. Whereas getting a medal at a world championship in that moment, I feel like is a bigger deal. But 
again, the winning the Olympic marathon trials is pretty cool and a, and a very impressive feat in its own as well. So I think the reason yeah. why I, I always put a lot of weight on trials is because the pressure, because there's that True. fear of loss. Like when you get to the championship, it's, it's like, okay, I'm here. Just got to make the most of it. But like everything feels like on the line. So anytime people come through in that moment, it just, it feels uh, certainly elevated. Um, but that's, yeah. So I'm looking at the, the top 10 that year in the world champs. So Rose Chalimo won it, 227.11. Edna Kiplagat, we know the career of Edna Kiplagat. She got the same time as Craig, but got silver. Um, and then it was uh, Philomena Shenich of Kenya in fourth, Demise, Eunice Jepkuri, Hela Kiprop, Mary Dababa, the rest of the top eight, uh, Trengova of Australia, and then Berhane Dababa. Like, there's some good, there's some good names in there. Again, like I said, sometimes the world championship, because of a variety of regions, doesn't end up being that good. But you could see that field being pretty similar to a New York or a Boston type field uh, and getting getting third in there. Obviously, if she was third in, in Boston um, or New York, that would be at the top of the list as well, too. So congrats to Amy Craig on her career and retirement. Cesarek, you want to talk about Edward Cesarek? Yeah, we got Ches sighting. And a rare turn of events. He's been training out in Kenya for the past month or so. Um, he won. He ran a a, a tune-up 10K, if you can call it that. Mm -hmm. Tune-up. Are there tune-up 10Ks that people do? Anyway, she, he sure. he ran he ran twenty eight ten. Got the win uh, by over three seconds. Um, Chesrex, you know, is just a very interesting situation. Obviously. He wants to run for America. He's been trying to run for America and represent the U.S., but with his process of becoming a U.S. citizenship not being as smooth and simple of a process that he would need, uh, he's kind of running up against the clock, right? He got the extra mm -hmm. year of no Olympics in 2020 that to kind of delay, will I need to represent Kenya or U.S.? Because here's the thing. As soon as he chooses one – He's got to stick with it basically most likely for the rest of his career because you can't mm -hmm. switch. You can't compete for four years, right? Under a different, you have to like, it's like a four year period that you have to wait until you can represent a new country. So uh, all signs are showing that he's going to try to represent Kenya unless something crazy happens, but he's training in Kenya. It makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think Chess might make the Kenyan team. Why not? I mean, the Kenyan 10K and 5K teams aren't as strong as what they used to be from like, you know, 10, 10 years ago because all the best Kenyans are going to the marathon. Um, it's not like Ethiopia out there. It's it's Kenya, so it's different. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you know what I mean? Ethiopia is a lot better in the track. They've kind of taken over that mantle right now. Uh, but Ooh. yeah, Chess, I think he can make the 5 or the 10. I don't know. He's been running well. He was... When he ran his like 13 0 um mm -hmm. two or three years ago, it was like top four in Kenya, like time wise. So Yeah. Do you think part of this is just him being over there being like, Hey, I'm here. Don't forget about me. You can pick me. Because the Kenyan selection process is always opaque at best, to put it mildly. And they've had a lot of situations in the past where they've made um a foolish selections for teams here and there is part of this him just trying to be present so that way
say oh, that he's better than got other guys that they're considering? Well, they they're having a trials process, and so he's there because he just wants to compete in their okay. championship meet to to qualify. Where I think it's going to be, I forget what the rules are. It's top three, but maybe they change it up. I do know that Kenya had a situation where uh, they had a, a time set for when they were going to have their their version of the Olympic trials, but it had a. Mm-hmm it got changed last minute, like a week or two ago because the African championships changed their yep. date. So therefore Kenya had to change their uh, trials date and it's this whole thing. And it's not as uh, the, the athletics governing body of Kenya is not as got their things in order as like other federations do. Um, so he's there, he's just present and you know, he's going to have to show up on the day of their trials and, finish top two or top three, whatever the rules are, and yeah. that'll be the way he gets selected. I don't think it's going to be uh, – oh, I mean, we can bring up what his, what's his world ranking. That'll be an interesting thing. Uh, <laughs> Travis, go I like, to – I like how it defaults now when you look at a profile on World Athletics to their world ranking instead of their, their PRs, as if anybody's like, oh, number nine. I knew it. Travis, do search by – change the drop down to uh, only Kenya. Uh, the other one, yeah. So we'll see what this. Uh, what do you think is world? Hey, here's a guess. What do you think his world ranking is? Is in Kenya, in the five, seven, seven. He Uh-oh. is. Uh-oh. Oh, Wesley Kipchoge is number ten. He's not even ranked. Maybe he doesn't have enough marks. Go to ten k. See what his ten k oh, ranking man. is. All right, I'll guess ten again. What's I'll guess seven again. Ten. Oh. It's five. All right. So I mean, whoever can figure out what that means, <laughs> no one knows. What does that mean? Nobody's paying attention to the world rankings except us. Right? Well, now. it's exciting. If he's one of the best, he's one of the best runners in the world. He should have an opportunity to compete. That's yeah. not a controversial opinion, I don't think. And I'm happy for him to be able to pursue his Olympic dream. So, something to watch. Something to watch over there. Canyon trials are already interesting as is, but then you add in a name like Cesarek, extra interesting. Uh, we got some questions in the chat here, Gordon. I wanted to get to or comments rather. Uh, David says he'll give you money if you go forty-eight for forty-eight, and Dylan suggests you'll put forty-eight for forty-eight on the tombstone. I think that's a good for idea. sure. Yeah. I'm I'm down uh, with be given money and I'm down with putting 48 for 48 on my tombstone. Everyone be like, is this like a new version of 30 for 30 in the films? Well, I'll make a 48 for 48. We'll do a film on every athlete that I picked. It'll be great. And what I'll get Bill Simmons meant, to produce it. And what it meant to them personally to have you yeah. bless them. <laughs> Select them. Uh we're gonna talk about the Portland meet in a second, so we'll get to that. Uh 5k predictions for the West. You already did these, right? Do we need to do Yeah, I did them. Yeah, yeah. No, was, we don't need to redo it. You can find the video. He did men, women, east and west. You can find that. Uh, Callum asks about Abby Steiner, which we already talked about as well, too. I get a feeling people don't tune in at the beginning of the show. I mean, maybe we do need to do filler at the beginning of the show to get make sure everybody's seated and paying attention <laughs> before we get going. Uh, all right. Portland meet. Oh, bef- sorry. 
One more thing before the Portland meet. We'll get to the Portland meet. And we'll make predictions about the Portland meet as well, too. Two heats. Two heats at the trials for the women's 10K. I should say, though, that this should have an asterisk on it. Because there's a chance there's enough scratches and they change this. Because the 10K is at the end, not at the beginning. So before people get outraged, just consider that. Gordon, I love this decision. I love two heats. I love two heat finals. I think it brings out the best in competition. But what say you? Well, I have two takes. Here's my first take. My first take is they should do one heat. Because if you can do 48 men and women in a 10K at the NCAA prelim, we literally just had four 10Ks go down with 48 people on the start line. Yesterday, four... And for some reason, we can't do that at the Olympic trials. It's bullshit. We can do it. It's going to be fine. So, and part of that is it, there's not going to be 50 people on the start line. There are going to be some scratches, mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. were injured. So I think we'll have in the 45 to 50 range when all is said and done. And I think you'll be able to put them all in one heat. Like, it's fine. Like, you get the front row if you're a top seed. You get the back row if you're there. 70% there, of the people in that 10K so just put them in the back and then let them come along for the ride anyway i think it should have been one heat but if we're doing two heats this is how i think mm. they should do it you ready <laughs> this is how i think they should sure. do it this is going to be a bad they idea folks they should divide it up purely based on who has the olympic standard and does it so i think 14 women have the olympic standard and then the other 35 women don't right okay and so what we would do is you have the 35 women who don't have the standard. They got to run first. And you know they're going to keep it honest because they know winning without the standard is going to mean nothing, right? So yeah. it ensures that that first heat is at least attempting to be Olympic standard pace because they're going to want to try to win it. And if you win it, you know, and then you have the following heat be all people with the standard. So right now... The only people, yeah, the top 14 athletes, so Steph Bruce, sub-31, 25 athletes, would all be in the second heat, and everyone else would be in the first heat, which would encourage the first heat to run fast because they say, it's like, hey, I need to run sub-31, 25 pace. And then as a result, it would make the second heat also fast because then they realized the winner of the first heat ran 31, 25 or faster. Okay, I'm going to regret saying this. I'm going to regret saying this. I mean, they're never going to do this, but for max entertainment value, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Because what I was going to mention was if you just split these into two even parts, this is going to turn into much ado about nothing. First of all, the top three, there's a, there's a big talent disparity between the three who are going to make it and then the, the fastest times in the, in the B heat, right? And the B yeah. heat would go first, so they would know... 10Ks at the Olympic trials, I mean, they could dawdle, I guess, but usually they get going pretty quick. It's a long enough race. It's not like a 1500 where one slow lap is going to screw you up. You have a lot of time to show and to prove your fitness out there. You can't hide. But what I was going to say is in the odd event that they did, the chances are the winner of that second heat may not even have the standard. So then it would be a complete confusing mess out there. So your system would minimize that get rid of that essentially because you'd go into that that heat knowing uh 
Yeah, I mean, they're not going to do that. I just think it's not going to end up being an issue because they're either going to fold it into one heap or they're going to, I mean, they're like, look at these, put the list up again. Look at these, Cranny, Schweizer, Sisson, Huddle, Hall, Enfeld, Schneider, Monson, right? I mean, these are, someone is going to run fast. There's going to be a group of three women out there who run really, really fast. And then, I don't even know, would, would, do we have on here who the 25th best person would be? I guess we could scroll down. The thing there... is, they wouldn't would cut it off. Would they cut it off at 25? Would they do well, that? Well, so here's the, no, no, not necessarily. And here's the thing. I would feel bad for person 25. Yeah. Right? I would feel bad for the person who's the last one because you don't want to be the fast, per, fastest person in the slow heat. You'd rather be the slowest person in the fastest heat. But just say yeah. they cut it off at, at 25. You're talking about someone who has, you know, their time is 3201 versus go back to number number three up there. And I know time trials and all that other stuff. 3201 versus 3049. All right. So it's a minute. It's 70 seconds difference. It's almost a lap difference between between that group. And you're right. It, it would probably be what, 3020, you think? 3515? So you'd get you'd get pretty deep down the list before you're cutting it up into, into two parts. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that your idea didn't have like a part that was really terrible to it. Like I commend you for coming <laughs> up with something that makes a little bit of sense here. Well done. Yeah, because it would basically ensure that, you know, the winner of the first heat knows that like, they're gonna at least try to make it honest, so. Well, so the comparison to this, right, is uh, indoor two mile drew hunter wins it from the slow heat but let me just explain all the ways that's different one this is three times the length so it's way more time to get the pace going two it's for a birth in the olympics not a yeah. u.s title so people are really going to be paying attention and they're really going to care about making the team and has anybody seen molly huddle run a race she doesn't chill has anybody seen Emily Sisson run a race? They don't hang out out there. They go from the gun. They don't often run in these slow plotting efforts. So I think by about a mile in, if there are still fears about whether or not this is gonna create some issue, it's gonna be cast aside and we'll be able just to enjoy that fast seat and know that the top three women are gonna go. But I do like the, for, for clarity's sake, I do like the everybody with the standard in one. <laughs> And then everybody else in the other. That'd create a rush to get the standard too, because everybody'd want to. Yeah. Not that there isn't already, but it would be create an even greater incentive because you want to be in that in top heat. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Good problem to have if you're the U.S. Good problem to have. All right, Portland Track Festival. Are you ready? Sure. Do you want? I'm ready. Do you wanna, it's happening. Do you want to do? Do you want to do Gordon's guesses with this first? Yeah, I mean, isn't it? that how we're going to preview it? I mean, it's all the same athletes that we've seen run in circles on this track year in and year out, just happen to be in a different order. Um, <laughs> I mean, how many times you got to preview a, like a U.S.-based distance-heavy track meet? You kind of – the question is who's going to win, right? One, and what one time more time. You have to do it one more time than you've done before. Well, this is different. You got Galen Rupp running his first outdoor race since 2017. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple you things, got but like – the debut look of the Houlihan, first race since de December. I think the best way to really give the, the, the analysis it deserves is just 
do Gordon's guesses. That's Let's just my do take. It. Let's do it. All right. Orland Track Festival 2021, Gordon's guesses. Take it away. So for the record, I haven't studied any of the races. So the, seeing the, the the start list is my first time seeing it. I haven't like done like hours of research. I'm just going off a gut feeling of what I see when I look at the start list. Mm-hmm. This is what I think is going to win. So first one, women's eight. Good field, right? I think Martinez, Rogers, Stafford, Grace are all going to probably run sub two. I'm going to give the win to Kate Grace in 158.9. Raven Rogers, for some reason, only runs two flat. That's the mm. story. Okay. Let's go down to the men's 800 now. Now, this is interesting because Centro's entered in both the 15 and the 8. But I'll let you sort that out. I'll let you figure out what he's going to do. Uh, Centro is going to be a non-factor uh, in this race. He's going to finish, like, sixth in this in this race so i'm not even going to consider him in this 800 question is where does brazier and career i think uh i think brazier wins it i think he wins it in 144 0 like mm-hmm. 144 flat um career um and harris go second and third and they run like 145 flat no they run oh. 144.5 sorry all right, so you're picking the American record holder and reigning world champion to win. Some bold picks so far from Gordon. Let's but keep going. It's all about the times. 144 flat. That's what he's running. All right, it's women's 15. Flat. Women's 15. We get to see Shelby Houlihan in her first race since December. Also in there, Rachel Schneider, Sinclair Johnson, Danny Jones, Kate Van Buskirk, Elise Cranny. Uh, Shelby wins it in 401. Safe pick, but that's fine. Safe picks are accurate sometimes. Now we'll go to the 15 for the men. The aforementioned Centrowitz, Neil Gorley, Henry Wynn, Mohamed, and Eric Avila back on the same starting line again. We know what happened Uh last time. Be careful. (laughs) Also in there, Hobbs Kessler, Amos Bartlesmeyer, Craig Engels, Josh Thompson, as I mentioned. What do you think? Another Central win? Does he keep the momentum going? Central wins it, and it's not fast. He wins it again in 335. Uh, the story will be what Hobbs Kessler runs. Hobbs Kessler breaks 340. Do any other Americans enter the discussion after this race for trials contenders? No. Who wins between Josh Thompson and Craig Engels? Craig Engels. Does Hobbs Kessler PR go sub 340 and does he? Yes, 339. He doesn't break Allen Webb's time. He runs 330. Okay, so he does not get Allen Webb's 338. Good. A lot of info there. Yes. Men's Put it all a lot out of, there. A lot That's of picks. A lot of guesses exactly. for Gordon in Gordon's guesses. All right, next event up, we have. The women's 5,000 featuring Krisha Schweizer, her first 5K of the year. She, of course, has a PB of 14.26. Gordon, don't sleep on the second woman on that list. Caroline Kip Karui, 14.27 PB from 2017. Also, Jessica Hall in there, who has run 14.43. Uh, Schweizer wins it in 
1452. 1452 for Gordon. Okay. Does I was going to say does anybody else get the standard in here, but tough to tell. All right, let's go to men's 5. Men's 5 is weird. Look at this. You got two sections and you're like, "Wait, which one's the A section? Which one's the B section?" Cuz section 1 is supposed to be the A section and you have Lemong in there, but section 2 you have Kincaid, Fisher, and Tuntavate. So I'll let you sort all this out, make some picks with the men's. Yeah, this picks. is this is a this is like a little wild. So, first question is which heat will have? Man, so clearly they're putting, I think they're putting Fisher and Kincaid in the second section because I I don't maybe they want to kind of practice going out slow and kicking. I don't know. Man, there's just some – there's a lot of deep thought going into this if that's the case. Why, why would they do this? I mean – Well, so initially I thought, oh, they're there to pull along Tuntavate. But it's like why not put Tuntavate in the fast heat? Yeah. I need I need some investigating. Like this, this isn't like else. pre-Nats where you're supposed to have like an equal – you put BYU right. in one section and NAU in the other to kind of keep it equal. Although – hold on, hold on. You do have Drew Bosley of NAU in section two. Do you, you have do. any BYU alums in section one? I don't think you do. So, okay, it's not that. You have that. Matt Baxter in section one, so they put NAU in NAU. And I Lucas Lamong. Yeah, this is a weird – this is weird. I'm not going to lie. It's weird. Maybe – can you scroll down, Travis? Is there any more one else in that section too? Okay, so there's yeah, it's a bunch of just bodies. Okay, um, as Charles Barkley and Shaq say, others, right? That's what they say, others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, go, all right, go back up. So this is weird. Why they're in that? Maybe they want to be. They're doing a workout and they want to kind of maybe they're rabbiting or I don't know what they're doing. Man, Jerry's weird, man, with what he does. Also, this is. Before I get into this, this bothers me. I have a weird. Is this a guess still? Or just, this is not a Gordon's guess. It's not a guess yet, but you've it's part of the guess guessing. Okay, oh, keep I'll, going then. So I said a guess, but I want to say, if you go back to the screenshot of the start list, Lopez Lemong's uh, team is Nike slash Bauer, assuming men. Woody Kincaid is Nike, but lowercase Ike Bowerman. Grant Fisher and Karen Tuntave are Bowerman Track Club. Why do all these teammates have a different team way of spelling their team name. Like, aren't they all on the same team? Why do they all call it different? That bothers me. We talk about wanting team sports to make it more popular, yet the, the most popular team in the country, you could say even in the world, they all call their team name something different. All right, end rant. Okay, okay. Uh, Lopez Lamont <laughs> will win uh, section one. They won't run that fast. They're going to run like, he's going to run like 13, 11. Okay. And then uh, the winning time of the uh, the other section will also be like 13-11. But, you know, I'm not even going to guess the second section because it's weird. Just the winner of the whatever race is going to be 13-11. That's a big windup for some big windup for some 13-11s there. Men's steeplechase. Sean McGordy running his second steeple. And in there as well is... Mason Furlick. You can look at the whole start list right there. What do you think? Well, first question is, where's Evan Jager? That's what I'm wondering. Didn't we talk about this last week? And you were saying, 
oh no, it's fine. Nothing's changing in the men's steeple. Everything's <laughs> going to plan. And I said, well, he ran 2K. He doesn't have the standard. I know he doesn't care that much about the standard, but don't you think you just do the extra K? And you're like, yeah, he'll run another race. But now we are a month, less than a month from the Olympic trials. Yeah. Starting to get weird. Not gonna lie. Is this more or less weird than the two heats? We can't figure out which is the fast one in the men's 5K. Yeah, they're both weird. Hmm. Man, Bowerman just knows how to make everything weird. They run time trials backwards in the woods uh, in a black box, and they, they and they don't really explain what's going on uh, with <laughs> what they're doing. Um, but anyway, uh, Sean McGordy wins this. Uh, and his win is he in the teens? His win is, I think, his win is going to cement him as the favorite because I think he'll win this. He'll beat Mason Furlick, and people will be like, "Oh, well, Mason Furlick was one of our top three guys now, and he's going to smoke him. He's going to run much better." Uh, McGordy's probably going to run like a five-second PR. So whatever his time, I don't know what his PR is right now, but he'll run uh, five seconds faster than what he ran uh, in the previous race whatever his time was yeah look Wasn't evan he... jager's in this in the do you think evan jager didn't hurdle in this photo and it's just like a way to like <laughs> pretend he's there like you only oh no he did okay <laughs> that would have been perfect it's like let's pretend i'm also going over the barrier but don't show it um, your question was immediately answered that was great yeah. by literally clicking over on on instagram so mcgordy ran 820.77 so if you're saying he you, you think he's going to get into the 18s for sure. 815. 815.77. Yeah. Dude, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if they, they're just like playing games or they're waiting till he's like a million percent. Maybe it's a Donovan Mitchell situation in game one. Maybe yeah. that's it. It's like, hey, Maybe. are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, but we're just being extremely cautious. I mean, they are training in Utah. I'm, I'm not saying there's a connection there, but the Jazz, Ironman Track Club, you do the math. Okay. That could be. I am doing the math in my head. Don't and do the math. I was, I was going to say, up. warning, do not actually do that math. Women's steeple, Courtney Frerichs of the Bowerman Track Club, who has steepled this year, who does have the standard. She's all set to go in there. Alio, I think, is the big story here, right? 930 PB. She's obviously going to have to run faster than that, we think, to make the team, not just because of Frerichs, Coburn, and Quigley, but also that other group that's coming up behind her, which includes... Courtney Waymet, what is your guess for this heat, Gordon? Uh, Courtney's going to win, um, and I think Allie finishes fourth in this race. I don't think I think Mel Lawrence, who's actually been running pretty well, finishes second. I think Allie kind of struggles and gets third, three or fourth, third or fourth. Um, I think Frerichs runs nothing too crazy, to be honest. She's probably going to run like nine twenty. Okay. Yeah. All right, and then we go to the men's, the men's ten thousand, headlined by Galen Rupp. First outdoor track race, as I mentioned, since twenty seventeen. Also in there, Juan Luis Barrios, uh, Suguro Sako, Frank Lara, Noah Drati, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is a even for you know Rupp, who's obviously not a ten thousand guy as his primary event. Uh, this is not a. This is not a uh, – this is a beatable field. All those words to say, this is a beatable field for Galen Rupp. He could still win this even though he's not a primarily a marathoner. I assume you agree with that? 
Yeah. He's okay. going to win. What's he going to run, though? I have a lot of different thoughts in my head about how fast he could be in this heat. I think he runs 2750. Mm. What do you think he runs? That's exactly where I had the over under. I don't see him going over really? 28. Look at that. Yeah. We're on the same page. I don't I don't see him going over 28 minutes and then I was looking at some of his, you know, rec- recent-ish track performances. You see uh, we got his 10,000 progression. I mean, he ran 28.18 in this meet in 2017, but I think the older he gets and the farther he gets away from the track, you have to think that his efforts on the track are more intentional, meaning he's fully yeah. prepared for them. And I don't think he would go into this race if he's not ready to do it. And his his half marathon PB keeps dropping too, which is good for his 10K, obviously. So, yeah. Do you want to know, do you know, do you want to know how I got my 2750? Did you ask uh, his coach and his coach just texted you back? Galen was going to run 2750? No. Oh. But I thought, like, oh, he's probably going to run in the same. I, I was just like, oh, what did the NAU guys run when they ran their 10K? Oh, they ran like in the 2750s. All right. I think Galen's just going to do that. Same. Probably do an Abdi Hamaner type pace, you know? Same system. Loosen up the. Same. Uh, shake out the legs before the yeah. Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's planning a couple. Do we think he's – how much do you think he's going to be on the track this spring and summer? Well, I mean, if he does run sub-28, he gets to go to the trials, and maybe he does – That would be fun. But that would be fun, but I'm not I, – maybe he doesn't want all that attention. I don't know. Maybe he wants – I don't know. Oh, so here's a, here's an interesting subplot. I mean, this this isn't happening with the men, but just say, for example, we did have two heats for the men. And Galen Rupp oh, That would be interesting. That would be awesome. Yeah. He pulls a Wesley Kip too in the slow heat. Uh, women's 10. I think that's the last heat that we have left here. People are asking about a Doha pod, uh, preview pod. We're not previewing it because it's going to happen uh, in a couple hours. And by the time this thing gets posted to the site, the meet will already be on. And we previewed it on Wednesday. So you can check that last episode out uh women's 10,000 I mentioned Caroline Kip Curry before in the five but this one obviously a lot of the Americans are focusing on on other events in this meet so there's not a heavy uh elite U.S. presence here oh I see Molly Seidel in there made the marathon team for the U.S. do you have a pick here let's go with the first C Shannon Porter I don't know. I have no pick. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm allowed to have one a mulligan where I don't make a pick in Gordon's guesses, and that's going to be mm-hmm. this woman's 10K. Um, yeah. So I like uh, you, plead the fifth. You, when it comes you to hit pass. pass. It's like in, cl- you know, in class you're going around and you're allowed one pass. Saying, yeah. Hey, we're not doing this one. Man. Okay. So I think we covered it all. Portland Track Festival. Yeah. There's a bunch of other meets, like we mentioned. Doha. Next week's schedule, because Memorial Day is on Monday, we're, are we going to go Tuesday, Wednesday, th- and we have a Thursday. recording issue on Friday. So we're going to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And uh, get ready. We're, I mean, we talk about it now, but like during NCAAs, we're going to go, we're going to do a, a live pod right after the first two days of NCAAs. And then we'll do a live pod during the finals of NCAAs on that Friday and Saturday. 
And then when we get to the Olympic trials, we're going to be doing a live pod right after every day of action. So immediate yep. reaction. We'll try to get yep. some guests on to talk about the day's competition. So June and the Flow Track podcast is going to be fun because we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about in real time. And it should be some some fun pods, some fun conversations. And uh, it'll be strictly track talk. There'll be no Sixers talk because I found out whenever we talk, I talk about the Sixers, the viewership mm-hmm. goes down. So we're not going to – I don't think we should do the Sixers 60 seconds. I think maybe we should keep that offline because I don't think people really care about my Sixers takes right now. No, it's at the end of the show. I was looking right now. We were just at like 99 of viewers. And my goal, as you know, Gordon, in life is just to get triple digits. But I want to see. I want to test this because right now we're at 90. We're dropping a little bit, 97. I just want to see how much it dies <laughs> when you do 60 <laughs> seconds of Sixers. So ready, set, go. Uh, if you guys watched the NBA uh, game last night, uh, Lakers and uh, Phoenix, Devin Booker had a flagrant two foul on Dennis Schroeder. And right after, AD said in the press conference that it was a dirty play. You shouldn't push two people. You shouldn't push someone with two hands in the air. And uh, it's funny because LeBron James did that to Joel Embiid uh, earlier this year because uh, – 99 people. 99 people. LeBron... You're keeping them. Keep going. You got 30 seconds. LeBron Keep James is one a dirty more person. Play. You're, you're interrupting me. Uh, sorry. Anyway – uh, Sixers and six at the NBA Finals over to Lakers. That's my new last Gordon guess. That replaces the women's 10K guess. Sixers and six over to Lakers in the NBA Finals. That's all I got. You got 15 seconds. You got 15 seconds. I don't seconds. need any more. I'm saving it. I don't need Man. any more seconds. Gordon, you only lost us six viewers. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I mean, you did call LeBron James dirty, which I think on any other show, that's where all the ratings would spike. It would yeah, go yeah. up. He's dirty we, we we got we got a track audience here. So this is uh this is great. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another edition of the Flow Track Podcast and 60 Seconds of Sixers and Gordon's guesses, all your favorite segments yeah. here. <laughs> uh busy weekend of track. You know, we got Doha today, we got NCAAs, Portland Track Festival, and on and on and on and on. We'll recap it all next week. Thanks to Alon for producing and Travis for from production help. Let's keep that music going. We're all good. We're all done. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you guys. Happy Memorial Day. On Tuesday. Enjoy that barbecue.